Good evening and welcome into another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Shoptaw, C70 at the bat, at C70 on Twitter. With me, as always, Tara Nichols from Birds on the Black and at Tara Wellman on Twitter. Coming to you, it feels like almost every week we're coming to you on a Sunday night after Albert Pujols has hit a home run. <laughs> um, 697 today, moving past Alex Rodriguez into fourth place overall. And third place depending on what you think of Barry Bonds' career, I guess, but that's another story that we won't really get into. But Tara, as you were talking about before we get on the show, these are not garbage time home runs where he gets just kind of this ceremonial at bat and then happens to hit one off of, you know, a position player or in a six run game. I think I've noticed that somebody put up on Twitter like four of his last five home runs have you know, pretty much given the Cardinals a lead or maybe won a ball game. He's making a huge impact um, with even as he climbs the ladder. Yeah. And honestly, to me, that is partly why it's so exciting Mm -hmm. because it's not just the chase to 700. It's not just, um, you know, I guess it's not just theater, Right. Like it's it's not sort of a a writing off into the sunset with games that don't really matter. Um, And that's not to say that, you know, if the Cardinals were in a different position, that there wouldn't be excitement around pushing towards that 700 mark. Mm -hmm. But it it is different when and, and I think it's more remarkable when you look at the totality of an Albert Pujols career coming to an end yes with this huge milestone right on the horizon but he's also the same guy in some respects that pushed the cardinals to a world series more than once you know the same Mm -hmm. guy that um was such a key cog in the cardinal success for 11 years and while he didn't have that same kind of success on the west coast um you know, we maybe thought those days were behind him. And all of a sudden, sure, I think it helps to play on a team with Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado. Not only do you feed off of them, but, you know, the the lineup is a little harder to work around when you've got those guys in the mix pretty much every night. Um, mm-hmm. So who knows how much of an impact that's having on just his his... <sighs> I'll say it this way, I guess, just kind of his access to those kinds of moments, right, right. where he can be that guy. But to come through in those moments the way that he has is, I guess it's such a, like, fairy tale tribute to the competitor that he is. Because even for him, this isn't just a write-off into the sunset moment, where he wants everyone to get out of his way and let him get to 700, he still wants to compete and he still wants to win and he still wants to push his team to do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, you, you, when you were talking there, it kind of made me think of, of when you talk about his West Coast thing, he's almost like Frosty the Snowman <laughs> in, in the fact that, you know, while he's in St. Louis, he's got the hat on, the Cardinal jersey. And when he was out in the West Coast, it was like, you know, he was still functional, but it wasn't quite the same. Yeah. <laughs> wasn't actually alive. Yeah, it's a weird one, but we'll go with it. Um, I'm loving so, it, so we'll, we'll yeah. roll with it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just tired of summer. I think that's what it boils down to. <laughs> you know, but, um, but yeah, it's it is fascinating to see this. And I mean, you're right. We we saw the story today after he hit the home run. 
you know, the, the fans that caught it, we're going to bring it back to him and, and in talking to him, he, he gave, he said, Hey, you keep it. It's going to be more than you than he does to me. He's not here just to put up the numbers. I, yeah. There's some part of him that likes those numbers. I, I don't think there's any. Oh, all you have to that. do is, is watch his reaction after every home run. Like the dude wants 700. Let's not, yeah. you know, ignore that part of this reality, but yeah. it does. I, I don't know. It just, and, and maybe I'm sort of drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit, but it really does feel like this is the competitor in him that is on a team that's capable of winning, of going on a run. And he is energized by that as much as anything. Yeah. And he has, I, I do wonder, uh, you know, he went to the all-star game, the home run derby. We've talked about it and how, you know, he seemed to be, you know, he, a little bit energized there. And he said yeah. at, at that time, he said at the around the all-star break that, he was going to have a better second half that he was, you know, focused and, you know, determined to play better. He was disappointed in his first half. And you wonder if maybe coming into St. Louis, it was a little bit easy for him to just kind of rest on his laurels a little bit. I mean, he did come into spring training late. He still had to get into kind of a shape or whatever, but you know, it might've been a little bit easier for him to just, you know, kind of kick back in and try to enjoy the ride and after about a half of that, he said, "That's enough of this mess. We're we, we're here to play and win ball games." And I don't know. I mean, the Cardinals are up eight games on the Brewers, and a lot of that is also because the Brewers have struggled as of late. Although they've played much better since they got to play Cincinnati. Um, but I wonder where they would be if it wasn't for Albert. I mean, this weekend. Yeah. For- Right, I mean, he he won he, he won the game today, basically. Tyler O'Neill's insurance home run definitely helped because of Ryan Helsley giving him a run. Um, he pretty much won the game. Well, he didn't win the game, but they wouldn't have won the game without him last night when he tied the game twice, right. um, and once late, but and then kind of setting the stage for for Nolan's big hit in the in the ninth. Um, those two games against the Cubs recently, where his home run was the only thing. You're looking at, I mean, there's four games just in the last couple of weeks where those go the other way. And this NL Central race is probably much tighter than, you know, we're not talking magic numbers. We're trying to make sure that this week when the Brewers come into town, that, you know, things don't go completely sideways. So right, it's amazing to see him be a, pretty much as valuable, at least over the last two months as Paul Goldschmidt, it, as Nolan Arenado, who are on a different level than the rest <laughs> of the Pujols is right there with them. Yeah. Well, two thoughts um, while you were saying that. First of all, for everyone who wants to be a hater, <laughs> stop <laughs> pretending like no one has ever had a better second half than a first half before. Like, right. let's stop pretending that this is some weird thing that we've never seen in baseball before. People figure stuff out. <laughs> this is not a novel thing. Um, but secondarily, I think it's really interesting, this point that we both sort of bounced around in terms of the competitiveness, because, look, I don't want to, you know, this isn't like throwing shade in terms of the Angels or... I guess even the role that he played with the Dodgers, who were certainly a competitive team, right? But they were a competitive Mm -hmm. team with or without him that wasn't really, um, you know, they weren't heavily dependent on his resurgence, I guess, for whether or not they were going to be a postseason capable team. So I do think there's, there may be not just a, a different energy, but kind of remembering what the expectation is. 
mm-hmm. in St. Louis compared to the lack of expectation with the Angels, perhaps. Not that there weren't hopes, not that there weren't goals, not that there wasn't potential for something really great. Um, but the expectation wasn't there. And so for Albert to come back into that environment, you know, whether he th- came in to the spring thinking, cool, this is going to be a fun ride, and then realized, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I can do more than that. I can expect more of myself than that. Um, you know, whether it was a, a conscious thing or not, I do think for someone like him who is that competitor, there has to be a, a difference to the the feel playing for a team that's expected to win, that expects itself to win, that kind of rides that high together as well as the lows together and isn't content with just going out and to compete, but is really intent i guess on coming up with those big wins and coming up with those big hits and figuring it out when it's not working and we haven't always seen the cardinals do that certainly in the last you know five or six years or whatever it is that we've complained about their (laughs) offense but i have to imagine that the entirety of that situation being so different um is maybe just compelling in a different way than going out to play every day as one of the best to ever play the game with a team that has like no one expecting them (laughs) to Mm -hmm. to make waves um and again that's not like trying to be critical or condescending towards the angels we all have seen what's happened there though and it's not the same and no one would pretend that it's the same as playing for a team that does have those expectations um so maybe playing with the dodgers last year kind of reignited that competitiveness and then getting back to that level of expectation in st louis and um you know playing alongside those guys that we've mentioned earlier gave him that little bit extra that that um I don't I don't want to say motivated because then it sounds like maybe he was playing without motivation but mm. but maybe shifted the motivation a little bit to not just hey let's give everyone a show but hey let me figure out how I can contribute to the overall product in a way that that pushes us forward pushes us towards the goal of a world series appearance not just winning today you know yeah, yeah. I'm still sticking with the cardinal uniform as magic hat Theory, but that, you know, I think that's, that's probably the most likely. But yeah. you know, mine's a, a good alternate. I mean, if, you're just, you're you know. fine. Yeah, I can get. I get behind <laughs> that. So, um, without or not considering Albert, though, this week was. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to say it was a. It wasn't a failure. The Cardinals split with the Nationals, win to a three with Pittsburgh, but you know it took a massive rally in the ninth against the Nationals to you know, get a split there. And it took a rally in the ninth last night. It took a late rally. It took another rally tonight in the ninth. A lot of ninth inning runs, <laughs> which is cool, I guess. Yeah. But that's probably more a function of, I mean, it, some of the Cardinals, you got to give them credit too, a function of neither one of those teams necessarily having great back of the bullpen. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they were going to cool down after such a hot August anyway. We knew that. And there's some, maybe some thinking of, you know, better to do this now than, you know, the first week of the playoffs. But was that a little bit disconcerting to see them struggle and kind of struggle in pretty much every facet of the game, at least somewhere this week? Yeah. You know, I guess maybe that's the, um, 
I don't know if unintended consequences to right phrase, but just the the reality of um, we often have talked about, man, wouldn't it be nice if the offense and the pitching and the defense were all good at the same time? Uh, the flip side of that might be that they're also all bad at the same time. Uh, if they're all on the same schedule of their ups and downs, uh, they're, they, they might struggle at the same time too. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think splitting with the Nationals with the shape that that team is in right now doesn't feel great. Uh, but neither does pretty much getting shut down by starting pitching in in Pittsburgh that uh, you feel like maybe you should have been able to do something with. Although, you know, look, every team in this game has extraordinary talent. It's just a matter of do they have enough of it and is it consistent enough? And when do you catch the opponent when they're down? So all of those things, I, I, I hate, I guess, taking away from um, quality work that someone has done. So if a starting pitcher has a really great outing, I don't want to say, well, the Cardinals should have. <laughs> I, d- I worked a, a game one time um, with a, a softball team that was supposed to be quite highly ranked and thought of and, and whatever. Uh, and they barely escaped with a win. And the coach in an interview post game said, no offense to the other team, but if they had been better, we would have lost. <laughs> <laughs> or something to the to that effect. Like if they were a better team, we would have lost. Um, and to some degree, you know, you feel like you know you don't want to you don't want to say that. Like, well, to be fair, if you know the Pirates were any better, the Cardinals would have lost this year. Because that's not really the point. But the Cardinals have struggled in multiple ways where they were not two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, I think this is one of the things that we do when we <laughs> ride or die on every pitch, right. right? Is that the 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 week where you don't win both series or you don't sweep the entire week <laughs> feels like the sky is falling when in reality it's just like, okay, that's a thing that happened. Right. Happens a lot in baseball. <laughs> 162 is a large number. Um, so I guess at this point, for me, it's just sort of riding the wave um, and and watching them figure it out again, mm. which I, I guess the skeptic could say, well, what if they don't? <laughs> what if their yeah. best baseball is behind them, right? But where I still think this team is improved from teams in the past is that I would even say just a year ago, they would have gotten swept this week. Right, They would have gotten down early and not had that ninth inning comeback. They would not have been able to hold off a one-run lead. They would not have, you know, we wouldn't have seen four late-game comebacks in the same week or whatever it was, right? That just would not have happened. So I I don't want to dismiss the struggles, and we can talk about some of those, but I do think it's fair to say, hey, this is what good teams do, is that when they're down, they still figure out a way to scrape out a win when they need it in order to not lose the series or to find a way to keep the momentum from slipping away entirely. So I'm still hopeful that that's the case because I think they're good enough to be that team. Um, But I I also am enough of a realist to say, hey, they got to figure some things out and do it before, um, you know, they get to that sort of postseason season 
nightmare, if you will, of trying to sort out problems while you're playing postseason games. I think we also have to factor in that, you know, we've hit September. We've hit the last three weeks of the season. And these guys, you know, I think that Ollie Marmol has done a quite a job of making sure people get rest. It seems like there's a fairly regular rotation of, you know, Paul Goldschmidt DHing and then getting the next day off while Nolan Arenado DHs and then the next day Nolan's off, you know, that kind of thing. They've kind of rested guys. You know, it seems like every 10 or 15 day games, they're doing something like that. Um, instead of trying to, you know, we've seen how I many how many times have we seen, especially with Yadier Molina over the past few years of managers just riding these guys into the ground. And so by yeah. the end of September, they don't have anything. So you'd like to think that they, you know, there's still some, some stuff in the tank, but it is September. And I think especially on the pitching side, we're maybe starting to see a little bit of that. Adam Wainwright has I don't want to say struggled his last couple of times out, but he's definitely not been Adam Wainwright. You know, he's given up like nine hits and five innings and four runs each time. And um, he's kind of, you know, he, he's even admitted his, he's not been that good. and he, He's got some mechanical issues he needs to work out. We've seen Ryan Helsley, you know, gave up the home run today. He's given up a run or two here. And, and again, Helsley's ERA is like barely over one. So when he gives up a run, it's notable, but it does feel like, you know, he's not blown a save, but it's one of those things where he's, you know, got two runs and he gives up one or, you know, he's got a three run lead and gives up one. Um, you wonder if a little bit of that's starting to, to play, even though he's had some rest with the you know, paternity leave and, and things of that nature. Um, we, we have seen miles Michaelis at times hit a little bit, right? He's been hit over the last, to, you know, not every time out, but he has had three or four rough starts since that really big blow up in uh, in Colorado. Is this a you know they need to figure out a way to you know let these guys get a breather and then you know try to you know order this or is it just you know random flukiness? Yeah, you know I think there's a there's becoming a very distinct line in sort of the old school philosophy of let them play till they figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and more of this new school philosophy that says, Hey, let's back off of it so that we don't kind of dig a deeper hole and then start again. And some of that I think is reflected in what you were talking about with the, the more scheduled days off, more of a, a plan to take those days off. And, you know, I think that old school mentality would be more inclined to say, hold on, these are guys are getting paid a lot of money. Why do they need so many days off? <laughs> you know, um, if our best guy isn't out there, then we're not trying to win the game. Um, and I guess, you know, it, it can get to that point where you feel like the lineup is being manipulated too much um, or it's not really being helpful to plan in those days off. Or, you know, if it's if if the division were closer, we might see a little bit of a different plan there. Right. If it, if it was a two or three game lead, you might see more of the the consistency with the MVP players <laughs> in every game, regardless, you know? Um, but I think there is something to this point of the season feeling like that, the end of that grind um, and not always feeling great day to day. Baseball is, is so unique in the world of sports because it's really one of, if not the only, certainly of the major sports, um, 
maybe basketball could be a bit more comparable because of the schedule that they keep. But it's one of the few sports that really doesn't allow you to build up to game day, then sort of taper down and then build back up again. Um, You don't have that luxury. So if you get to a point where, yeah, you could play, but you're not going to be at your best, maybe it is valuable to take that extra day. And maybe that's what we're seeing. With, like you said, especially with some of the pitching, um, but even with the, the dip in the offense, you don't you don't sustain the kinds of numbers that we were seeing, the kinds of success that we were seeing for the entirety of like a three or four or five month stretch. It just doesn't happen. So the dip is is normal. <laughs> Maybe the extra rest is significant enough to build back up at just the right time. Um, as far as the pitching is concerned, yeah, I think what we've seen from Adam Wainwright is likely just we're at this point in the season. I, I don't I don't think we've seen enough to be dramatically concerned that, oh, there's something wrong with Adam Wainwright as much mm-hmm. as it is just like you said and just like he said. No, I'm just a, a little off mechanically. Um, but I, you know, this is what I do. <laughs> I make adjustments and I figure it out. Um, and especially, I think, if it's a situation where a guy like Adam Wainwright says, no, I know what the problem is. Like, I, I know what it is. It's just a matter of fine-tuning the solution. That I'm less worried about that. Um, some of the young guys who have had their moments, as we continue to say, bullpens are bullpens. <laughs> mm-hmm. And there's a little bit of that. Um, but I, it's, I guess, I have seen since, I don't know, middle of June, enough of, hey, these guys actually are figuring it out. They actually are able to make adjustments. And then sustain them for quite a long time before they have to make a different adjustment. That I'm, I'm still <laughs> surprisingly. Uh, I, I think at many times in the last four or five or six or seven years, I've been quite skeptical of their ability to, to do that. But I've seen it enough this season that I, I do feel like, okay, give them an extra day if that's the thing that they need. Um, give them a, an extra start if. <laughs> You know, if that's the thing that they need, if they need to be in game action to figure it out, then put them in game action to figure it out. But if they need a total day off so that they don't swing a bat or throw a baseball, then give them a total day off. And I think the beauty of playing as well as they did in August, again, combined with the, the fall off of the Brewers, is that an eight game lead with 21 games to play does give you a little bit of room to to play that game and and maybe take your foot off the gas just a hair when you need to not to um i, I don't know that that might have not have been the best uh, phrase to use because that sounds like backing off when you should be charging mm-hmm. forward but to to have the room to take that extra day if you need it versus like i said if it was a two or three game lead you might not have, if your back's against the wall, it's a different story than if you have space to kind of set things up and play them out in a way that hopefully sets you up down the road versus if we don't win today, we're done. (laughs) You know, the the Mm -hmm. dynamic is certainly different. 
Yeah, and it's and it's a situation the Cardinals haven't been in. Over, yeah, exactly. For a while, right. I mean, <laughs> and it's last a, year took seventeen a, wins in a row to get. It's a situation that Cardinals fans haven't been in. So I right. think there's this little bit of I was having a conversation with my dad today about it, and I was like, he was very frustrated about some things this last week, and I was like, listen, they've been the best team in baseball since like the trade deadline or the All Star break, whatever it is. I don't remember, and. They have an eight game lead over the Brewers and there are 21 games left. Like they're, they're okay. (laughs) They're okay. Even though it's been a frustrating week, but I think fans haven't had that luxury either in the last several years to feel like, Oh, okay. They can have a a less than flawless week and still be fine. And so we're sort of adjusting our own expectations too. (laughs) There's definitely that. I was definitely trying to not, I mean, I'm still looking at the standings, right? Uh, or checking the Brewers and yeah. seeing what they're doing. Of course, and, yeah. You know, because, I mean, the Cardinals were up earlier this week, nine and a half. And it's now, you know, without those rallies, it could have been like six with this, yeah. um, with these with the Brewers coming in this week. You know, thankfully, they've rallied. It's eight. And, you know, again, the two games with the Brewers, the Cardinals could lose both of them, and it's still not necessarily a big thing. If they win, you know, even just one you know, that puts a huge damper on the on their Milwaukee's case. And I, from what I can tell, Brewers fans have kind of moved on, right? They're focused right. on the wild card <laughs> and not worried too much about what the Cardinals are doing. Well, it's also um, football season now, so all of Wisconsin is that's fair. focusing I, elsewhere. <laughs> people get so messed up this time of year. It's just sad to see how priorities just get out of whack. I'm just, I'm just saying my timeline on Twitter is a mess right now because of all these people tweeting football games i mean come on um (laughs) anyway um so yeah so the cardinals are in this position we also we've talked about albert's history let's talk a little bit about the other history from this week uh adam wainwright and yadier molina battery mates for the 324th time uh ties the record they'll break it against milwaukee on wednesday assuming everything goes right um it's still it's it's so remarkable to think about this record. I mean, again, the whole idea of one one pitcher being in the same spot, one catcher being in the same spot to be able to do all this, incredible. But then you think Adam Wainwright missed all of 2011. Yeah. He missed almost all of 2015, and then when he did come back, he was a reliever, which I don't think counts in any of this stuff. And then they had like, you know, a third of a season in 2020. They would be at probably like, what, 420 or something right now? I mean, they'll probably have this record destroyed by like 100 starts if if it wasn't for all those that that mess. It's crazy. And it's been so interesting watching this season, both for um, Yachty and Wayno and the records that they're uh, hitting as well as Yadi just himself from a catching standpoint, um, as and then also the addition of Albert Pujols. It's so interesting to see those guys all coexist on the same team once again um, and just checking off things on these lists that it's like, man, you look at these other names and think, wow, the legacy that they have now he's being superseded by the accomplishments that this trio of guys has. And it's such a, it's, it feels like such a privilege, honestly, to 
have watched it and to continue to be watching it. And for Adam Wainwright to, I was just talking about this today too, with someone that um, we were talking about, Oh, does, does Adam Wainwright have a, a reasonable case for the hall of fame? Mm-hmm. And you know, that will be debated. That conversation will come. But the only thing that I really have to say about it right now is this really related to this conversation about those records is that the last two years, I feel like they, they almost shouldn't have happened because they almost didn't happen. And without those two years, we don't have this part of the Adam Wainwright story that I think cements, at least for me, Hall of Fame or not, what his legacy is in the game. Because it's not, again, just like we were saying about Albert Pujols, he's not the fifth starter who just gets to start every five days because he's Adam Wainwright. Like, he's pitching hugely significant innings, hugely significant games, and more than once in the last... I mean, in the second half of the season alone, he's been kind of that stopper to say, okay, some things are a little rough right now. Let's let's reset and go from here. And the fact that he's still doing that at this point, the fact that he's still doing it with Yadier Molina, is it's crazy to think how much baseball history has been written <laughs> since <laughs> those two started together. And now they're moving themselves up that list. I don't I don't know if that makes sense because I think in my mind, it's a little bit hard to put into words appropriately just how incredible it is to me that, you know, we're, we're, we've watched them for so long, just sort of because it, they're, they happen to play for the team that I follow. Right. But now we're looking at it in the context of baseball as a whole and I guess more intently realizing just how significant the careers of these two guys, three if you, again, bring back in Albert Pujols, just how significant they are into baseball history, not just St. Louis Cardinals history. And it's really cool. It's really cool to see that and really cool to have basically a whole season to reflect on it with what we've been able to see from them this year. Yeah, put, putting, like you said, I think it said it best there, <laughs> ironically, um, because it's impossible to put this season in yeah. Um <laughs> it's just you can't uh to be able to you know those moments where you get a chance to like today even i mean albert came up in the ninth and you just kind of almost knew that this was gonna this was gonna happen right i mean there have been times this year where you were just absolutely sure that he was gonna hit a home run and he did and you know or that adam wainwright and or yachty is gonna do something you know spectacular and to it's just i mean it's partly just because of watching these guys and and partly seeing them for so long and what they've done but you know i don't i don't know i don't know if i mean you get that a little bit maybe with with goldie and and arnoto and maybe in four or five years after they've had a chance to establish themselves in st louis i mean golden has been here for three years now it seems hard to believe but (laughs) um but yeah i just i don't know i don't know how you I don't know how you do that. I don't know. And obviously it's a situation. I think we've seen that it works for Cardinal fans, even that have come to Cardinal fandom over the last 10 years, right? That didn't see Albert hit his first run. I mean, they still have obviously have had Yachty and, and Wainwright. There's always that connection. But even the people that 
just knew Albert uh, as the story of Albert, I guess, have gotten and embraced this whole, yeah. you know, return. And I mean, again, it helps when he's hitting Gable and <laughs> runs and stuff. That, yeah, people will embrace a lot then. Yeah. Um, but it's just a, it's just remarkable. I mean, yeah. it, it's one of those years that if, if there was any justice, they would win the world series just because <laughs> it feels like this is, that's what this, this story needs to end this way. Yeah. And you know, it may it probably doesn't, right? Because only one team wins it. So right. it probably doesn't in that way. But um I think we're always I mean, this is one of those teams that even no matter what they do in the postseason is going to be remembered. Um I, I you know it's one of those ones they may even have reunions for I think yeah um even if they don't win and just in, you know in five or ten years because it's there's so many stories there's so much that has come out of this team this year that it's just incredible well and how cool is it to be Brendan Donovan or Lars Newtbar right, right. on this team right now like can you I, I mean even the the guys who've been September call ups and have only been there for a few games. Look around. Like you're on a team with what five potential Hall of Famers? Right. Like that's insane. And to not only be on that team and be like, oh yeah, I'm playing with a bunch of old guys who don't really play much anymore. No, those five guys are critical to the mm-hmm. success of this team, and you get to play with them and watch them and learn from that. Like. I can't imagine a cooler experience for a kid growing up wanting to make it to the big leagues and then playing on a team. And, you know, obviously I'm, I'm biased because I'm a Cardinals fan, but playing on any team where you've got five potential hall of famers right. playing alongside you every day, it's insane. And, and I, I can't, I can't imagine that that doesn't play a huge part in what we have seen from guys like Newt Barr and Donovan and, you know, whoever else you want to throw into that mix who have got, I mean, Nolan Gorman, right? Nolan Gorman is a highly touted prospect um, who now is getting to play with, with these guys that it just, it's, it's such a cool story in so many ways. And I, I have a hard time imagining it um, ever kind of being duplicated. Um, in, in the same way where you're looking at those those same <laughs> career legendary you know history making kinds of um, groupings of players on the same team yeah I mean like Alec Burleson makes his debut this yeah. week right <laughs> I mean his first game is in the game where Yachty and Wayne Wright set the re- or tie the record and he and he and there's an interview with him afterwards he says look I could tell my kids and my grandkids my first game, I batted between Albert Pujols and Yadier Molina. I mean, <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, how do you? I mean, it's not like, hey, I got to play for the Cardinals. Okay, that's cool yeah. and all that. Even if you, even if that's your only game, which right. I mean, and Burleson got his first hit today, which is which is cool, and got to be his hit. You know, his first game is the record. <laughs> For them, his first yeah. hit comes in the game with yeah, Albert hits six ninety seven. I mean, well, and that's that's the thing here, right? It's not like it would be cool for Burleson to come up and play, you know, with that group of guys anyway, right? But 
the context that they're that they're writing for that story right now, right? By breaking mm-hmm. these records, by you know moving up these all time leaderboards, it it elevates it almost elevates the significance of it because I think when you and I have watched Wayno and Yachty for so long, we know what it has meant in our little corners of the world, right? But to then have it, like I said, baseball wide, baseball history, like you go all the way back to the beginning <laughs> as with some of these stats and this is where they rank all time. It just, it, it makes the sort of lore of the moment that much more unbelievable for someone like Burleson to say, yeah, not, not just to say, oh, I played with Yadier Molina. I can tell my kid about that someday. But to say, like, I played with Albert Pujols, who has the, you know, third most home runs all time or whatever. You know, it's, it, it just provides that little extra for the, with the context. And I, I'm rambling on and on about it because I just think it's, I think it's so cool. I think it's so much fun. I think it's good for baseball to have that kind of blend of history and new. And, you know, you look at those lists of, of record holders and a lot of them are so many generations back that yeah. current baseball fans don't don't have a, a connection point there they don't have a relation to that and i guess that's why i think it's so cool is because you know these are records that maybe they'll get broken someday maybe someone else will move past them on that list but it's going to be really hard because of the way that the game works now yeah. so yeah. to have modern day players current guys who are on that list with generations past where you feel like oh well, the game is really different from when they played mm-hmm. it's it just it's i don't know there's something really cool about that to me to see the, the you know the past and the present kind of meeting in this moment with guys that have meant so much to us because they play for the team that we like <laughs> but now can mean so much to baseball because of the success that they've had yeah yeah it's i mean i think you know jd drew was obviously a very successful baseball player, but his first game is, you know, he comes into the game that Mark McGuire hits 62. Right. So, you know, it's like, if you're a young guy, you kind of wonder if you're, if your career is peaked right then, you know I mean? How do I beat being part of history? Right. My first game, you know, that's, that's kind of a little bit about what Wilson does. Um, It's, it is. I, you're right. I, I think this, and it's, it's cool to see. It's not even just the young guys, right? I mean, Goldschmidt yeah. and Arenado are, you know, amazed at what Pujols is doing and then learning from what Pujols is doing. I mean, we had that, what was it? I guess it was last year um, when Pujols was released and, and Arenado does that whole, you know, Hey, you know, <laughs> you're my favorite player and yep. I'm, you know, all this. And, and now, you know, they've got a game this year where they go back to back, you know, yeah. <laughs> hitting home That's runs, crazy. you know, uh, even as much as, as Nolan Arenado has done it in the, the track that he is on to be a hall of famer and, right. and everything like that. You know, one of the, the highlights of his career is going to be, I played 2022 with Albert Pujols, you yeah. know, um, yeah. it's just, yeah. I mean, you're right. This we don't, we won't see this again. I mean, could you see it in 10 years with Mike Trout 
maybe. Yeah. I guess, but like you said, the the culture and everything around the angels is so different. Even if he does wind up playing his whole career there, which is no, there's no guarantees. I mean, with especially mm-hmm. with a, a sale going on. Um, but if he was able to play his whole career out there, you know, he doesn't, it, he doesn't have the postseason that Albert does. He does it, you know, all of that stuff, you know, and, and he's not, I mean, you know, he's not likely to wind up fourth all time in home runs. Yeah. You know, just that, <laughs> you know, as great as Mike Trout has been, he may or may not. And so maybe you get that, but yeah, I mean, cause you have to have so many variables come into play that, and, and that's just Albert. I mean, when you talk about, Wainwright and Yachty and especially when you have to put those two together and stuff yeah oh I yeah, can't imagine that happening no <laughs> no and it's it's really funny because what like three years ago we never probably even heard of this record right <laughs> um, and, and now it's like the, the biggest thing ever for us that yeah. this has to happen you know um yeah. it, it's it's kind of it, it, it still strikes me as one of those a little bit esoteric but it's still pretty cool I mean it's not yeah. just a most home runs by a lefty on a Thursday type of thing. I mean, this is it's a, it's a true stat. Yeah. Even if it's not, you know, fourth all time in home runs. But right. Well, I think it's. I mean, it's not a stat that, um, in and of itself, means things went really well that day. Right. Like right, right. the 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 most starts together. Okay, it could have been a good start. Could have been a bad start. What does this mean? But yeah, that's why I think wasn't a good one. So. Yeah. Exactly. So like okay cool but doesn't really does that what does that really define but that's Mm -hmm. why i think you know when you're talking about most ever or on the list of most ever right Right. that's when it becomes significant because we know that this doesn't happen right this is not something that you see very often so whether it means that they're both having a great year or not um it means that they've been in it that Mm -hmm. long together and they wouldn't continue to be in the same place if there wasn't some success involved right like it's just not that's not how the system works especially now so um you know a lot of things have to come into play for that to even be a thing that you talk about and i guess that's why like you said a couple years ago probably not super relevant but that's why i think these last two years for wayno have been so significant in the mm-hmm. overall story of the adam wainwright career hall of fame or not like that's like i said that's that's going to be a conversation for someone else to decide if the numbers are there or if the awards are there or if the whatever but the longevity clearly comes into yeah. play and not just he played for that many years but he played and was effective for that long and played such a major role and was still in like you know, top five, top 10 of most innings pitched or lowest ERA or whatever. Like they're, Mm -hmm. these are real numbers. (laughs) They're real statistics, real success that you can go back and see um, and then connect it to that longevity. That is what a stat like this with, with him and and Yachty um, really tells you about that story. So it's, you're right. It's, it's a bit um, different than a lot of baseball stats that are very much like just tell me the x's and o's <laughs> but i think when you can step back and and see it in the context of all of those things it's again I'm, I'm i'm rambling again because i just find i find it so intriguing um and and really cool to get to watch it happen in real time yeah yeah it's it's remarkable and yeah, I, you know, there's really nothing else you can say about it. I don't think um, I keep saying that, and then I continue to talk anyway. Yeah, but yeah, you no, know, here we are. We go on for 15 <laughs> more minutes or, or 20 minutes or whatever the case may be. But uh, 
yeah, it's it's been fun. Um, it gives that extra flavor, and you know, I mean, it's big enough that it overshadows Paul Goldschmidt actually getting close to a triple crown. So yeah. you know, it means something. So anyway, um, there's three Sundays left, so obviously that means Bill's <laughs> getting 700. Sweet. Um, <laughs> and we'll see if we can talk about it again next week when Tara and I get together. But until then, for Tara, I'm Daniel. Good night. Hey, Cardinals fans, thanks for listening to this week's show. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes. Just search Gateway to Baseball Heaven under Podcasts and click Subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in Baseball Heaven.